comes to grasp the king, a place of dread and suffering. Forged in terror and filled with fears, hopeless daydreams and desperate nightmares. get to wondering how so many adorable children grow up to be sons of bitches? Yes, our bright young kinderfolk often seem interesting up through their rebellious teen years, only to metamorphosize into carbon copies of their parents the moment they hit adulthood. Even worse, kids these days got helicopter parents hovering over them like the ATF outside of Ruby Ridge makes them scared to act on their own without an adult pulling the strings. Maybe don't worry you none. But around here, we know what happens when parents raise a puppet. Curious, you poor fool? Join me at the Cookie Street duplexes in the not quite groovy year of 1968, where tragedy has struck the half-household of Arby and Millis Stanfield in the form of a lost child. If only they'd let resting kids die. It was a wonderful service. Oh. There, there, neighbor. Oh. oh, just think of all you're going through. A perfect young couple having their first child cruelly stolen from them. After nine swollen months of sleepless nights, Wild mood swings, bathroom mishaps, all for naught. Thank you, Grace Gloria. That will do. I made you a casserole. It's got eggs in it. How nice. I'll put it with the others. <clears throat> I'll need the dish back by Saturday for the church bake sale. We're in mourning. Go away. I never. Finally. We're alone. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Please, Millie, he was my son too. Oh, now you care about him. Oh, I suppose it's my fault he ran after every shine and shimmer he ever saw, huh? No way he got that from... his mother? I'm sure it had nothing to do with his father's reckless, heartless, thoughtless carelessness. Who'd run away from that? Maybe he had the right idea. Are you gonna leave me now? Threaten me with a happy life? <laughs> you need help, dear. You're disturbed. If I'm disturbed, it's from living with a murderer. It was that water, Kudzu! Water Hyacinth! Mermaid fingers, siren snare, Poseidon's net, call it what you want, Lake Lancaster's full of it and our son ain't coming back! As Christ is our king, what kind of casserole is it gonna be this time?
Hello? Someone there? If this is you damned hoodlums that hang out by the tracks, you picked a very cruel time to prank our family. What's this trash? Who was it? All the people that actually care about us. No one. What are you holding? Oh, it's a hand-carved business card. Hand-carved? Dr. Joseph Woodsplitter, grief counselor, specializing in the loss of a child. (laughs) How do you like that? First whiff of death, and here come the vultures. I bet Grace Gloria left this, like a book about puberty on a 12-year-old's bed. Hand it over. I want a call. Don't be ridiculous. You're the one who says I need help. Maybe we both do. Don't give me that look. We're not calling. In fact, I'm going to build a fire just so I can throw it in. Stop! Stop now! We're not going! And so, the grieving couple soon found themselves on the doorstep of one Dr. Wood Splitter. Never mind why he was operating out of the ever-so-rustic Lancaster Lodge, overlooking that ever-so-fateful lake. Hello? No answer. Let's go. Just one moment. (laughs) Mr. and Mrs. Stanfield. I've been expecting you. Oh, have you? Uh, yes. I'm Millie. This is my husband, Arby. You must be Dr. Woodsplitter. Charmed. We tried calling the front office, but no one answered. It was locked, too, so we just came on back. Management here leaves something to be desired, I'm afraid. Please, do come in. Sorry, this is your office? I know, I know, a bit unorthodox, running a psych practice out of a cabin room. It's only temporary until my real office is ready on Main Street. To think... I thought being by a lake would put my patients at ease. It certainly doesn't. Oh, but of course you'd say that. Come inside. (gasps) Oh! My, this is, uh, um, quite decorative. What the hell's with all the dolls? These dolls, as you have chosen to slander them, are a few of my ventriloquist puppets. I made them myself. (laughs) What now, Millie? Look, that doll, it looks just like our son. Does he now? What's the big idea? Perhaps it would be best for me to explain just how exactly my practice works. You see, for many years, I was a traveling entertainer, playing clubs, theaters, sometimes even the side of the road. In between shows, I became immersed in the writings of Freud and Jung and Benjamin Spock, eventually studying psychology at the University of Vienna. Damn it, Doc, we didn't ask for your life story. You're a man to the point, much like my father. 
Now, what I offer is my own brand of therapy for couples like yourselves who have recently lost a child. Oh, forgive me. Word gets around. Like pubic lice at a nudist camp. Many couples find that the anger, denial, and grief they feel stems from the unexpected nature of their loss. I find, if given just a little longer with their child, they can say goodbye on their own terms and are much more at peace. Is that why you have a doll of our son? Are we supposed to talk to it and pretend it's really him? The results speak for themselves. Not to violate patient confidentiality, but I had tremendous success recently working with the Vincent family. How dare you, Doc? With everything you know about us, you should know not to mention that name in front of us. After what John Vincent did to my rose garden. Come on, Arby. Just a sec, Millie. Doctor, are you saying I could speak to... to our little Danny right now? Well, of course. Of course, Daddy. I'm right here. Sweet Jesus. You sound just like him. Like who, Daddy? Like who, Daddy? I'm just being myself. Your son, Danny. Stop this madness. Please, dear. You're interrupting. Danny, I... I'm so sorry about what happened. I, I, I wish I could undo... You know... <laughs> Actually, I have a thought on that, Mr. Stanfield. Perhaps we should step outside for a moment to chat. The three of us. No need. We're headed out all right, but not to talk. <laughs> I didn't mean you, Mrs. Stanfield. Oh. Oh. Just a moment, dear. We'll be right back. No, don't leave me here. How dare... Wonderful. Now I'm trapped in this oversized dollhouse like some kind of daffy Victorian homemaker. Oh, I bet that damn doctor doesn't even have a license. As soon as they get back, I'm gonna give them both a piece of my mind. Millie, I have wonderful news. We worked it all out, and you're gonna love it. Danny's moving back in with us. <laughs> Aren't you happy? <clears throat> You happy, Mommy? <gasps> Absolutely not. I will never, ever, ever allow that thing anywhere near our home. To Miller's dismay, the men had agreed to the full service immersion therapy offered by old Doc Woodsplitter. He was to move into Danny's room that night, living just as Danny had in their home. As if to add insult to unconsulted injury, Arby insisted they celebrate immediately with a casserole picnic in the backyard. Beautiful spread, dear. Making your wife entertain like this. It's cruel and unusual. <coughs> Don't cry, Mommy. Don't call me that. You're not my son. Mommy, look what you did. That's it. This little experiment is over. Is that Toonie... Is that Toonie casserole? Excuse me? I want to eat Toonie casserole now. It's my favorite. How did you know that? I think our child knows what he likes. That 
is a full-grown man. Honey, the doctor was very adamant we never bring attention to his presence, or none of this will work. Please, I'm begging you, go along with it. Just for a little while. Don't you think it's unnerving that he knows so much about us? Take it as a sign. A stop sign? (sighs) Yes, Danny. We're having tuna casserole. And green bean casserole. And some sort of... Egg casserole. For dessert, jello casserole. Courtesy of our family and friends. You have friends? Oh, here. Just eat. You said I'm a big boy, so give me a big plate. No. Okay. (laughs) Danny, chew with your mouth closed. Sorry, Daddy. You know, it's nights like these that make life worth living. Thank God work gave me time off so I could spend it with my... (laughs) Why are you crying, Daddy? Nothing, son. I I just... I'm gonna raise that damn lake if it's the last thing I do. Then maybe I won't feel so damn haunted. There, there. Here's your plate, dear. Thank you, honey. Yeah. Who made this casserole? I believe... Grace Gloria. Be nice! No, look! Peering over our fence! Grace Gloria! How long have you been there? You didn't answer your door. That's no excuse to spy on your neighbors. (laughs) You need to pay a visit to the Vincents. Stop being scary, old lady. You, of all people. Mind your elders, boy. That's quite enough. Go away. Well, I never. I want my dish back. I'm beginning not to like her. How about we move this picnic inside and pour Daddy a drink? After Abby's nightcaps, the Stanfields decided to turn in early. It was past Danny's bedtime anyway. As was custom, Arby read Danny his favorite bedtime story. In the night through the house, it would aimlessly creep, in spite of the fact of its being asleep. Oh no! Then what? It came 17 years ago, and to this day, it has shown no intention of going away. The end. So, you, uh, comfortable? (laughs) Little rascal. I love you, son. you are. Scoot over. I'm bushed. Say, what's wrong? Nothing. Are you still upset? No. Yes. A little. I know it's different, but I think it's gonna help a lot. Let's sleep on it. 
Starting now. What do you think Grace Gloria meant about seeing the Vincents? Oh, Lord, are you trying to keep me up? Maybe just a little longer. You can't be serious. I'm not serious. I'm Arby. I do love it when you joke that way. Mommy! Daddy! I can't sleep! Just go back to bed and lie down, son. I'm scared the gas monster will get me. I told you that book is too scary. He's heard it a zillion times. Danny, go to bed. I want to sleep in your bed. Absolutely not. Just let him in, dear. You can't be serious. I'm not serious. I'm Millie. Now make room. Yay! Leave some bed for the rest of us. <clears throat> Mommy, make Daddy go away. He's scary like the guest monster. For Christ's sakes, I'm not a guest. Just go sleep on the sofa, dear. I'm too tired to argue. I can't believe I'm doing this. Bye. <clears throat> Bye, Daddy. Don't look so damn pleased, either of you. Abba slept not that night, his agitation only growing when Millie informed him the next morning she'd just gotten the best sleep she'd had in three years. Yes, Millie had come around on the new Danny, but Avi was starting to have second thoughts. Not wanting to openly go back on his convictions, he decided to act out in a different way, starting with a visit to the Vincents. R.B. Stanfield, you son of a bitch. Just what the hell makes you think you're welcome on my front door? Hello, Patsy. Mrs. Vincent to you, trash. Yes, so I am. Is your husband in? No, then he will never be. So go away. There he is now. Arby Stanfield, you son of a bitch. Just what the hell makes you think you're welcome on my front door? Hello, John. I came to apologize. I need your help. Sure thing. Need me to work on the day of my daughter's funeral again? I was just following orders. Same as those German boys that shot my father. I just got the promotion. What was I supposed to do? How much time off did they give you when your child died? You got some nerve after what you did to my wife's rose garden. Sure it was me? I can't be your only enemy. Only one from the gas depot. That's your new job, isn't it? John! Come in already. I'll call the police. No. That is... Grace Gloria told me I need to talk to you, and I think I know why. We need to work together so no one else has to go through what we've gone through. Well. What? Go on then. Sing it. No, not that. You want my help? <clears throat> my name is R.B. Stanfield, the worstest player on the damn field. I blew our chance and pissed my pants with the whittle wee wee that I wheeled. <laughs> oh, you never told me you made him sing that. Show's not over yet. Come on, I sang the song. Go on, give it the old college try. 
My word. He's wetting his pants. What a sad, pathetic man. Can you believe this loser was ever my boss? Or anyone's? Enough! I sang the song and added in the yellow rain dance. Fine. Let's hear your idea. But I'll tell you now, the answer's no. While Arby's pants dried, John and he got into the Vincent's well-stocked wet bar. John agreed to Arby's half-caught plan, and soon the boys were taking a little trip to dump 150 gallons of premium 85 unleaded gasoline into Lake Lancaster. That'll show that water kudzu. Hyacinth! Sure. Now, as much as I love to describe how it went down that night in greater detail, everyone in and around the lake that night was very, very drunk. So much for reliable witnesses. Next morning at the Stanfield Duplex. Danny, for the last time, please eat your corn pone. I want tuna casserole. You had that for dinner yesterday and lunch. And now for breakfast. No, that is too much of one fish. <laughs> Stop crying. Oh, fine. You can have your gosh darn tuna casserole. Tuna casserole. Now I'm saying it. No, thank you, Mommy. I want the core. Give me airplane. Airplane? You're too old for that. I want... <clears throat> I want airplane! <sighs> Here it comes. Look at that plane go. Time for the landing. There's too much on it. The flat was overbooked. Now open up. <clears throat> uh, mommy! <laughs> Corn pone is boring. Oh no, airplane explosion! Danny! Daniel Randall Stanfield, how dare you dump your food on your head? You're in trouble, mister. <laughs> oh, I'm honey. Arbogast Roderick Stanfield, where the H-E double hell have you been? Had to see a drink about a man. Good God, what's this mess? Your son decided to reenact the Hindenburg on his head. That was the last of the corn pone. So none left. <laughs> I am starving. Lord, do we have any casserole? Hubby, your breath reeks of booze. Out all night drinking while I raise our child. That's the idea? I thought you loved him. You know what love is? Yesterday afternoon, our precious little miscreant couldn't wait for me to finish in the bathroom, so he soiled himself by the door. Oh, the smell. I leave him soaking in the tub so I can do his laundry. Then what does he do? Crawls out and gets into my makeup drawer. And yes, Arby, I mean the hundred dollar Maybelline. If you hate our son so much, why don't we just get rid of him? He's not even real. He's a goddamn dummy. Danny, what your father means is I'm just some stupid Pinocchio that wants to be a real boy. Is that it? Well, I am a real... Well, I am a real boy. <laughs> Wait, he doesn't think that. Yes, I do. Look what you've done. 
Go get him. Absolutely not. We're better off this way. How can you say that? You didn't even want him here. Fine. I'll save him myself. Goodbye, Arby Stanfield. Wait. Please stay. At least don't slam the... Mila sped off in the family station wagon, but Danny, or Dr. Woodsplitter, was already long gone. When John Vincent called Arby in an unrelated panic, Arby demanded John pick him up right away so they could drink about it. They're gonna figure out it with us. I mean, who has access to that much gasoline? Shh! Barkeep, two more shots. No, drinking with you is what got me in this mess in the first place. At least pick up the tab. Yeah, yeah. Barkeep, you mind turning up the radio? How are you so calm anyway? Kidding? This takes my mind off Millie. She's out of her head chasing after this damn ventriloquist grief counselor. <gasps> Dr. Woodsplitter? Oh no. Not you too. He sounded just like her. Wow. He was more our little Debbie than a Swiss cake roll. <clears throat> Barkeep, two double bourbons, one glass. What are you two looking at? My kid is dead. Washed up on the shore of that damn lake. Not you three. Turned my head. He was gone. All they found was a couple of curly locks and the shreds of that knockoff Batman shirt he always wore. What said night biter? Why'd we buy his clothes at the dime store? Someone poured a lot of gasoline in that lake, too. Smells like a Colombian party powder factory. Some idiots must have been trying to kill that water kudzu. Like that'll work. Uh, yeah. The yokels in this town, right. Strangest damn thing. Found this on our doorstep. A business card etched on a piece of wood. Goddamn grief, vultures. Of course, the wife wants to see him. No! You can't! Think we didn't already fight about it? She said yes, I said no, and we compromised, so we're going. Look at this banshee walking in. At least I'm not married to her, right? You! Uh, hi, Millie. How's the search going? Terrible. I've looked everywhere, and all I've found is you at the bar. Just like old times. By God. What is he doing here? Dear, you remember John Vincent, don't you? I wish I could forget. My rose garden was up for an award. Like it wasn't half wilted. How'd you know I was here anyway? Wild guess. Now come along, we're off to the Lancaster Lodge. She making you see that quack too? Not that it's any of your business, but yes I am. And for the sake of our marriage, he better hope we find him. Come on, dear, the therapy worked. I'm ready to say goodbye to our quote-unquote Danny. Ow! Stop pulling my ear! Stop, Dragon. You're acting like a child. I thought you liked that in a man. So, uh, John, you paying for y'all's drinks? With that, Arby and Millie hightailed it to the doctor's last known place of residence prior to becoming a Stanfield. Once again, they tried the front office first. 
Hello? Anyone there? Are you even trying to stay in business? <coughs> what is with these fumes coming off the lake? Enough. Step aside. I'm kicking down this door. Ow! My lateral malleolus! Oh, look! It was unlocked. Come on. <gasps> Good lord. The check-in guy. He's... He's dead. Arby? Arby and Millie came too. Strung out and strung up. That is, their hands and feet bound with marionette string, leaving them hanging from the ceiling. They were in another cabin at the Lancaster Lodge. This time, surrounded by wood scraps, carving tools, and huffing grade glue. Even worse, on the walls, there were big blown up photos of Danny Stanfield, little Debbie Vincent, and even that guy at the bar's boy, all taken by the lake with big red X's across the faces. No wonder those dummies look so familiar. Let's not even talk about the poster children whose faces hadn't been X'd out yet. <gasps> As Christ is our king, what in blazes is this place? The workshop of the devil himself. That doctor, he's no psychologist. He's a psychopath. Is that a formal diagnosis, Mr. Stanfield? You! Where are you? Haven't you noticed I'm a Arby, look, it's coming from that doll. There's a radio in her mouth. Oh, God, she looks just like... Little Debbie Vincent. Most perceptive. Far be it from me to ruin the illusion, then. <laughs> Hi, Mr. and Mrs. Stanfield. Can Danny come out to play? I don't know. Is he still alive? What have you done with our children, you monster? Oh, that's not very nice. Wanna hear my favorite bedtime story? <coughs> Arby, why is there smoke coming in the room? <laughs> the lake is on fire. It's not my fault. It was full of stinky gas. I just added a little spark with some matches. I hope it doesn't spread up here and burn away all this scary criminal. <laughs> Doctor, please. We did everything to make you a member of our family. Why us? Because you never saw me as your son. Always at least one of you just couldn't accept me. Why not? <laughs> now for my favorite story. Once upon a time in Christ the King, there was a poor little boy born to a pair of full-time drunks. Unable to afford the costly luxury of a child, they decided to test the myth about the water kudzu at the bottom of Lake Lancaster. Doctor, please. 
water hyacinth. Mermaid fingers, siren snap, or siren snap. It has lots of names and has taken lots of lives. That's why the parents took the young boy out for a canoe ride one sunny Sunday. After they paddled out to the center of the lake, the parents encouraged the boy to lean over the side just as far as he could. I'm so sorry, but come, let us go before- I'm not done yet. Cold, wet, and alive, he ran for his life. The one thing that kept the boy going was a promise to himself that one day, when he was old enough, he got to enjoy his childhood. If not his own, someone else's. Bobby and Millie had suffered some pretty serious asphyxiation by the time John and the cops found them. It was while they were recovering in the hospital that Arby learned John had rolled on him in connection with the gasoline spill. Grace Gloria convinced him to do it. As for the wood doctor, last sign of him anyone saw was a long splinter sticking out the lock of his holding cell. Well, that and one other thing. Honey, I'm home. I'm in the kitchen, just steaming up some beans and greens. <coughs> what, no casserole? <clears throat> Wouldn't you know, I broke the dish. How was work, dear? I pass out talking to a client one more time. <coughs> I'm fired. But how will we pay all those fines? <coughs> You'll go to jail. <coughs> John can bail me out. Say it's the least he can do. Oh, that John Vincent. If you ever get a chance to sleep with his wife, please take it. The only condition is that you make sure he knows. I love it when you're angry. Speaking of which, I was thinking, maybe you and I could try again? Make a real boy? It would be great having a little girl running around to call our own. By the way... What's in that package you're holding? Is it from the stork? (coughs) No clue. (laughs) Found it on the doorstep. No return address. (coughs) You don't think it could be from... Hand me the knife. (coughs) It's it's full of straw. Hold on. There's a note. Dear Mommy and Daddy, I'm sorry for running away. I missed you so much. But now, I'm back. Millie, look. 
it, it, it's another dummy of Danny. <coughs> That's no dummy. Abby didn't have it in him to hold down a job after that, and he ended up doing time in county. Eight and a half months later, though, he and Millie had a new rug rat to call their own. Curious, though. Baby didn't look as much like himself as Abby would have preferred, and he could only think of one other person that'd been in bed with his wife that year. Best not to think about it too much. Could be another desperate nightmare. You have been listening to Desperate Nightmares from Christ the King, Missouri. Episode, Uncanny Danny. Dramatized by Reeves Elliott and featuring the Christ the King players. Bennett Clarkson as Zarby Stanfield. Isla Combs as Millie Stanfield. E. James Ford as Dr. Woodsplitter and the bar patron. Sam Lassiter as Danny Stanfield and Patty Vincent. Diane Elliott as Grace Gloria and Debbie Vincent. Roberto Sanabria as John Vincent with Reeves Elliott as the bartender and additional voices by Audrey Harris and B.B. DeMore as your narrator. Recorded at Christ the King Studios in Brooklyn, New York. Narration recorded by B.B. DeMore in the basement of Christ the King Second Methodist Church. Edited and mastered by Jack Healy with closing theme by Arrington DiDioniso and opening theme by Arrington DiDioniso and Willard Fresco. Additional music by Kevin McLeod and Audionautics. Sound effects from freesound.org and the YouTube audio library. Desperate Nightmares is brought to you by executive producer Willard Fresco in absentia and co-producers Reeves Elliott and Jack Healy. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. Please rate and review on iTunes or whichever platform you use to listen to this show. And come join us on our Facebook page. Willard may be dead, but you keep the nightmares alive.